Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. They had received Christ, changed to Christianity, and there was suffering as a result of that. We'll see two kinds. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Now you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. The church has it pretty good in America. There's not much in the way of opposition or persecution, especially on the governmental level. The same can't be said in many countries around the world, though. In several countries, you risk not just losing your job, but your freedom and maybe your life. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about a group in the early church that were under such intense persecution that they were thinking about going back to Judaism. And the writer of Hebrews is urging them to hold on. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 10 as he begins his message. God is still speaking. turn to the book of Hebrews. We're actually going to start in chapter 10, and then we'll go backwards. No, not really. A few years ago, there was a very common saying, at least in the financial world. In fact, I, I talked to Ken Cocker today, and he, he made the statement. He didn't even know I was using it. Let me see if you can remember it. When E.F. Hutton speaks... Man, terrific. All stockbrokers out there, whatever. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Everyone listens. Well, the author of Hebrews would write some 2,000 years before E.F. Hutton's quote, when God speaks, people listen. How did God speak? In the Old Testament. How did God speak? In the New Testament. Is God speaking? And if so, how does he do it? The book of Hebrews is an interesting book. Notice it doesn't start from Paul called to be an apostle. As many of Paul's books start. It isn't named after Peter. It is named after James. It's written to a group of people called the Hebrews. We do not know 
really who wrote the book of Hebrews. Many people think it's Paul, although some of the characteristics, the way of writing is very different than Pauline literature. Other people think it was Apollos, and there's a whole group of people that think it was Barnabas. But one author, I think, said it best. The only one who knows who wrote the book of Hebrews is God. And God didn't tell us, so obviously it's not significantly important. But we do know this. Let me read to you from Hebrews 13. The writer says this, Pray for us. We are sure that we have a that we have a clear conscience, and we desire to live honorably in every way, I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. So we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but we do know that the author knew the people he was writing to. When was it written? Sometime between A.D. 65 and A.D. 69. As you know, A.D. 70 is a key year because the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem by the Romans. So this letter was written a few years before. Who is the letter written to? Very important you understand this because that's going to give us an understanding all the way through the scripture when you teach in context. Some books you can just start in and it doesn't really make too much difference, but this is huge. The target audience for the book of Hebrews is Hebrews, (laughs) Jewish people, specifically probably Jewish Christians from Italy, maybe around the Rome area, we're not sure. Now take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, if you will, look down to verse 32, and we'll begin to see why it was written, that's huge for us, and then it will set up a foundation, a platform for understanding the book. Verse 32, the writer says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. In other words, these people were Jewish, and they'd been raised as Jews in the formal beliefs of Judaism. But they received the light of the gospel. So they changed and became followers of Christ. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. So they had received Christ, changed to Christianity, and there was suffering as a result of that. We'll see two kinds. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. Now, you sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So the book is written, the target audience are Hebrews, Jewish Christians who didn't believe in Jesus but never personally saw him. The immediate conversion 
into Christianity, followers of Christ, placed them in dangerous and very difficult circumstances. Not unlike today, many parts of the world. By and large, that is not true in the United States, England, Europe, even South America. Definitely is true in China, India, in many of those parts of the world. First, the book of Hebrews deals with the struggle, and you're going to see this all through the book, of leaving a religious system for a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a huge struggle for them. There's this retching of old ties, the way they believed, the stresses, the tensions of being alienated from people who were still Jews but hadn't broken off and become followers of Christ. And there were always pressures to return to what they had been. That is not unlike um, what has happened to the Calvary chapels and many, many non-denominational churches. As you know, most of our churches initially were people who were raised something else, different than non-denominational. We kind of joke that we become mongrels here. We're just... Actually, mongrels are very healthy, if you know that. A mongrel dog is a very healthy dog, so you're a healthy dog. We've come from almost every kind of denomination there is. Many Catholics and Presbyterians and Baptists and Church of Christ and you name it, we've got it. Well, for some of you, that was hard. Because you might have been raised a certain denomination for 30 years. And now you come and notice uh, things are different. I don't wear a certain kind of garment. There's a certain kind of worship form. It's different. There's PowerPoint. There's all kinds of different songs, different ways that people accept the Lord. The communion may be done different than you used to do it. The rules and regulations are significantly different. And there is a stretch because, well, some of you, and it'd be interesting to see, how many of you, when you left your church denomination and moved here, you were left with tension and a little struggle with family members and friends because you changed. Can I see your hands? Just look around. Okay. Pretty common. And many times they said something like this. You're going to a cult. Is that right? And I'm the cult leader. Here I am. (laughs) And more importantly, you've left your religion. You have no chance to go to heaven. Many of them believe that. And so the Jews obviously were steeped in this all their life. I mean, there's only two kinds of people in the world, Jews and Gentiles. And so the Jews, even though most of them today don't believe in Judaism, this was a big struggle for them. And you're going to see as we go through the scriptures, because of persecution and because of old ties, they're tempted to go back to the old System. Well, they know the new system's better, but they're tempted to go back. Now, the next thing that we see that set apart uh, them in this area was the country that they lived in. Chapter 13, you don't need to turn there, hints that it's obviously Italy and maybe even Rome. 
Well, of course, that's a pagan area. And so they were looked down upon by the Jews who were in that area, went to the synagogues. They were looked down by the majority of the people who are pagans. And that set them up, as we just read, for all kinds of persecution, including loss of property, even their lives. Very often they might have been known in those days as Jesus Jews. And of course to pagans, that's like the worst of everything. Now, sometime, and we don't know how this plays out with the book of Hebrews, sometime around A.D. 64, things got worse. Why? There was a great fire in Rome. Nero, the leader, set the fire, most people believe, and he cast the blame on Christians. Because of that, these Hebrews began to undergo severe persecution. That's when the Christians began to be thrown to the lions. That's when many of the Christians, if you've ever been to Rome, and you've seen the catacombs like we have, that's where they went and lived in the catacombs to try to preserve their lives because their lives were worth nothing in those particular days. Now, how big would this group of people be? We don't know. But many writers believe it was a house church. It would have been small. It wouldn't be as big as the, many of the synagogues. It was a house church. This letter could have been written to 30 to 40 people who were struggling. And they had not yet been martyred. But the time they were living in, it was right around the corner. Hebrews 12.4, it says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So it was facing them, but as yet, most in this little house church had not done that. But what were they left with? Questions like, God, why would you allow this to happen to us? Do you know this is happening to us? Are you silent? Won't you speak to us? And so the purpose of the letter is encouragement. The overall purpose are two things, really. One is the theme, Jesus is better. The other is encouragement. So what is the encouragement? Go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. It's an encouragement that all of us need. Because from time to time, we're tempted to do the same thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not, circle these two words, drift away. So they were tempted to just, just drift, drift away. Go back to Judaism. It isn't worth the struggle. Jews aren't being thrown to the lions. Let's just go back. Why should we lose everything? So there was a temptation, big time, to escape persecution, go back to the old Jewish beliefs, but the writer says, don't go there. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Stay strong where you're at. Now, you'll see some other things. Drift away. You know in the book of Hebrews, we read this verse quite often. I'll paraphrase it. Don't forsake the gathering together of yourselves. 
Well, we kind of know what that means. Put it in this setting. Why would you want to go to this little house church when you know that Rome is watching you? Who are the people that are going there? Earmark them. We're going to cast them to the lions. So all those kind of things come to your mind, and you can see how that verse is written specifically to them. Don't forsake the gathering together. And then another one we use, but make sure that you encourage one another. How often? Daily. Well, why would you need to be encouraged daily? Well, you may not live tomorrow. I mean, significant difference when you see it, isn't it? That it puts on the book that's being written to these individuals. The theme, of course, is to stay with Jesus because all through this, you'll see, Jesus is better. He's better than the prophets. As we go through this, better than angels, Moses, the priesthood, the law. So in every way, Jesus is superior. Don't give up and go back to your old religion. Now we begin Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. Now remember that this small church, well, the people were discouraged and they were fearful. They wondered, where is God? Does God speak? Doesn't seem to be speaking to us. So the writer starts, and he just, he starts in a beautiful way. He says, in the past, God. So we get right to God, which is one of the questions they've been asking in their minds. The writer anticipates, obviously through the Holy Spirit, and knows that these individuals are questioning, where is God in the middle of our problem? In the Old Testament, I mean, these are Jews. They knew their Bible stories. They knew that God spoke. But now they're questioning, here we are in the time of Jesus, what's happening? In Second Peter 1, I'll just read it to you. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter reminds us that the Holy Spirit, even though the prophets were speaking in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit guided their thoughts, their utterances. And then he certainly guided what they wrote, because we know that all Scripture is inspired. As we, over the years, have studied almost all the books of the Old Testament, we've noticed that God spoke through them, warnings and corrections and direction and often encouragement. Now, notice in that verse it says, many times. Well, think about in the Old Testament, how many times God spoke. Well, think about Nathan the prophet. He went to King David. What did he say to King David? King David, you're the guilty one. You've had the affair with Bathsheba. So God was speaking through a prophet. Remember about Elijah. Elijah went, spoke from God to the evil king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Daniel spoke in the book of Daniel, obviously initially to the Jews who were in captivity. God used him. And of course he spoke 
speaks to us as we study the book of Daniel. Haggai spoke encouragement to the people when they didn't want to continue building the temple after they'd gone back after the captivity. Haggai said, no, get at it, finish it. God was speaking a word of encouragement. How about Jonah? God spoke to Jonah. God had to speak again to Jonah. In between that time, God spoke to the whale. We learned that what? The whale was smarter than Jonah because the whale obeyed. There went Jonah on the land. So eventually God said to Jonah, are you going to do what I asked you to do? I asked you to go to Nineveh. He did. And we have recorded in history the greatest revival that we've ever seen. So many times, I mean, you could do a Bible study of this. God spoke. It wasn't man just speaking. Nathan didn't go, hmm, I have an idea about David. No, God spoke it to him. Notice it says many times in various ways. A great Bible study for you is to think of all the ways that God spoke in the Old Testament to people. I just wrote a few down. Now, obviously he spoke by dreams and visions, directly, signs, And he spoke not only to the prophets, but by lots of people. In the garden, God spoke directly to Adam and Eve, and he gave them instruction. God appeared to Abraham in human form. He appeared to Jacob as an angel. God spoke to Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai with what? What we just experienced this afternoon. Thunder. And lightning, that was God speaking. When the mountain shook, God was speaking. How about Elijah when he was discouraged and he went up and hid in the little mountain? How did God speak? In a still, small voice. Very different from a mountain that would shake. And then when God guided the Israelites after they came out of Egypt, how did God speak? Pillar of what? Cloud by day and fire by night. So God used so many amazing ways to guide us. You say, well, some people believe God doesn't even speak today because they don't believe in the Bible. Well, does God speak outside of the Bible? Yes, he does. And we know this. For instance, God speaks through creation, nature, When you see animals and you see all the things they do and you see the amazing things that they do all by the DNA that God's put in them. I mean, obviously there is a creator. He speaks through our conscience. Romans chapter 1 tells us that man ignores his conscience that God gave him to say that there is a God and goes off and does his own thing. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that suffering and persecution for their faith is something that Christ followers have had to deal with from the beginning. You found out that God's aware of this difficulty and that the book of Hebrews was written to encourage those believers and to tell them why they're following Jesus is superior to Judaism. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. 
That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his teaching, God is Still Speaking. You'll learn about the many ways that God communicated with his followers through the years. You'll learn that those modes of contact reach their ultimate form in the person of Jesus. You'll find out the importance of the scriptures in your life and why you need to make use of it. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series in the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.